0: Welcome to Plastic Model Mojo, a podcast dedicated to scale modeling, as well as the news and events around the hobby, where we hope to be informative and entertaining, and help you keep your modeling mojo alive. Dave, we're back final episode before the national convention in omaha and uh i tell you the mailbag's been rolling in this this past two weeks and uh we got a little special segment or special uh, format change tonight because uh we haven't had a all listener mail all the time episode in a long time and boy we sure got a lot so we're gonna tackle that tonight but until we get to that what is up in your model
1: sphere dave well my model sphere is filled with excitement man I'm telling you what this is the time where you know I've said this before it is my Christmas every year the nationals is is the my happy time and when it gets close I'm like a kid counting down the you know those those second and third weeks in December when you were a kid <laughs> and you're like God each day lasts so long um I can't wait as the show approaches there's been a whole lot of communication back and forth among uh, modeling friends podcasters etc cetera, etc cetera. and i'm telling you what every time i get a message or a text or whatever it just it just makes me more and more anxious to get going so uh, i can't wait till you show up here we hop in a car and we start driving how about you <laughs> well i'm all that in
0: a bag of chips you know, to, to to offer something else in the model sphere. You know, I, I was uh, I've been enjoying uh, since Spencer Pollard posted his blog about having to get an Optivisor. <laughs> That's been really interesting to see him have to change his game up a little bit and relearn a few things as he's sort of putting it, I guess. So, I you know, but I think I read in one of the posts that you know he made it. Past 50 before he had to get one, so that's a pretty good run, to be honest.
1: Yes, absolutely (laughs) it is.
0: But I I can just remember 40-ish, probably. It's like my eyesight just fell off a cliff.
1: Yeah. Well, I've had glasses since eighth grade. Well, I have too, it. yeah. Somewhere in the 40s is when all of a sudden the uh, no-line trifocals showed up. But now, I'm blessed. I got lucky. I'm I'm myopic not astigmatic and my near vision is still sharp. I do some of my best modeling when I'm doing cl- real close-up work with my glasses off and the parts I'm working with probably 3 to 4 inches from my eyes and I can I've got a depth of field of about an inch or an inch and a half at that distance where my my eyesight, I swear, is as sharp as it was when I was young. But anything beyond that or anything closer, it just completely goes off the cliff. (laughs) So I use an Optivisor a lot.
0: Well, I do too, and I recommend that over the uh, the eyeglass style.
1: Yes, absolutely. Mainly
0: because we had a pair of those at work, and I saw the intern look down at the floor one time, and then they fell right off his head Broken about four thousand pieces. Oh, <laughs> so I took my extra optimizer to work. <laughs> A- anybody out there that's run up on forty, forty to fifty, uh, you might have that to look forward to.
1: Yeah, but you know what? You can still. You Spencer Pollard was was actually talking about how you know it it was negatively affecting his modeling the 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 lack of eyesight or the, the lack of clarity that he was experiencing. But the nice thing is in the scheme of things, it's fixable. It's fixable real easily. And, you know, I'd much rather deal with that than deal with what I deal with because of my genet- genetic condition where I have the essential tremor. I mean, that's much less, less easy to fix. That's true. You're doing a pretty good job. Nah, I'm getting there. I'm surviving. So so Mike, uh, I assume for the last episode before the Nationals you have a modeling fluid in front of you.
0: Unless I'm taking a, a detox run.
1: Oh, <laughs> yeah. You mean like we did after Vegas l- last year?
0: <laughs> no, I've got one. I'm joking. Uh, I'm I'm drinking the last of the six pack of pills in Urkel I bought Friday. Good beer. Good Saturday. I like these. European pills sometimes. I mean, some people think they're a little sulfury, and they, they can be.
1: They can go skunky. If you, if it's not, if it's something that's been sitting around someplace a while,
0: this isn't skunky. It's a distinct flavor. Like this one, Czechvar, Heineken, St. Pauli girl. They all, they all have the same kind of sulfur note to
1: them. I like Czechvar. I will but tell it's you. Re-
0: it's refreshing.
1: Yes. Yep. Especially if you're sitting out back by the fire pit, you know, God, and, not in July in Kentucky. <laughs> uh, you can say, that, "Hey, the fire pit going even in July in Kentucky keeps the damn mosquitoes away." Yeah, that's true. I'm I've got a running battle with the mosquitoes in my backyard, man.
0: Oh, what about you? What are you sipping on tonight, Dave?
1: Well, uh, as a matter of fact, I am slightly varying one of my favorites. I am drinking a New Belgium. Voodoo Ranger Juice Force IPA. Mm. It's a hazy Imperial IPA. Uh, very, very close, but not exactly the same as their, it, just their regular Voodoo Ranger Imperial IPA. As far as beer goes, this thing has the kick of a mule. It's a 9.5 alcohol by volume. So it's it's not light. Um, it's not something that you're going to Drink a couple while you're doing your yard work, unless you want <laughs> to fall off the fall off the riding mower. But it's a darn good evening beer. Uh, goes really good with uh, uh, with spicy food. Uh, had some jerk chicken legs that I made the other night, and this went really, really well with them. So I'm sure that at the end of the night, I'm going to be reporting that uh, that it was a good experience. Well, good. We'll see how it goes in the end. So did we get any listener email? Anybody listening to us? Uh
0: I, I tell you, man, I can't. This happened. We accumulated a bunch. Well, but the last time this we did this big time mailbag thing, we we solicited it. We yes. set that we set that episode up. Yeah. Well, that was many episodes ago. And I think our just our General increase in listenership is to the point now where every now and then we get a lot in, more than usual. And I don't know, for the last two weeks, I don't know if we've said some interesting things, hopefully, funny things or topics people are interested in. But uh, we've got a bunch, so we're going to break it up in a yep. few, two or three segments here and put some stuff in in between and not to wear everybody out on listen to mail. But there's a lot of good stuff here. And let these folks be heard. Absolutely. Are you ready for listener mail segment number one?
1: I am. Go for it.
0: <laughs> First up is Jonathan McRae, and Jonathan is a graduate student at Kentucky, or Kansas State University in Manhattan, Kansas. So he has no excuse not to be in Omaha. Uh, I don't know if he's going to be there or not. He doesn't mention it. Oh, so come a lot It's close, a lot
1: closer than we are. Yeah, exactly. We're going to do it, and it's a 10-hour drive. You can make the run. That's right.
0: Uh, He says the hobby and the podcast go a long way to helping him get through the stress of academic studies. Now, not just academic studies, but your regular life and your job and your whatever, right? I mean, that's kind of the, yeah. that kind of hits it at least kind of our philosophy on this hobby. It's not everybody's, but, uh, you know, it's a bit of a escapism Yeah, and, uh, Glad it's working out for him in that manner. He suggests that we check out a YouTube channel by a figure painter named Vince Venturella. There's so much YouTube
1: out there. I, I know.
0: They're, they're, you could, like, waste an entire week just watching that stuff.
1: You'll you'll have to text me that guy's name because I'm, well, I'm searching. Well, he
0: brings it up because uh, he thinks that this gentleman's uh, approach to figure painting touches on a lot of stuff we've talked about in past epito- episodes. You know, we talk about system engineering with Ed Barrett. Uh we've of, often talk about learning from other disciplines and genres. You know, he's got hobbies, tips and tricks, and talks about color manipulation. And uh just thinks it's somebody we ought to check out, maybe even get on the show sometime. So huh? we'll have to we'll have to look him out and we'll put the put the uh we'll put the URL in the show notes. And he's got a tip too. Oh good. We've talked about this before, but I just, I'm just going to have to try it, Dave. It's using the UV light pen this time, not to bond stuff
1: with, but actually fill small gaps and seams. The thing that I've seen people, and maybe this is just being an aircraft modeler, the people using it to make like uh landing lights or, cl- oh, or small clear dome lights or, or things sure. like that. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I've, I've had, a, I've had one of those pens, and to be honest with you, I've used it more for non-modeling purposes <laughs> than modeling purposes. So I'll yeah. well, I'll have to take a look at that and experiment around a little.
0: Up next is Joel Middleton from Sherwood Forest in the UK. Oh.
1: Is he one of one of Robin Hood's merry men? Or the Sheriff of Nottingham. Okay. Could be. Hey, we <laughs> don't we want to assume our listeners are the good
0: guys. Ah, he's heard us talk about exotic places that people have ordered stuff from. Uh, Somebody mentioned plastic model store in in the Ukraine. Uh Uh-huh. And uh, he says that despite the uh, activities over there, also known as a war.
1: (laughs) Yes. Or if you're Mr. Putin, it's a special military operation. That's
0: right. Armory, Dora wings, wingsy kits, res kit, Foxbot decals. He says the Postal Times to the UK have been running about 6 weeks which is about the same as it took before. Uh, for some reason stuff is languishing in Germany, which is probably got nothing to do with the war. No. <laughs> Darn <laughs> Germans. Uh he says his most exotic place is probably uh from uh, micromaster in New Zealand who make uh 3D printed ship details.
1: You know, I don't think I've ever ordered anything from New Zealand. Of course then again I didn't, you know, I I wouldn't have winged guy so. I'm sure there are a lot of guys who got wing nuts kits back when they were selling them directly. It's yeah. The only way to get them.
0: Uh, one of the New Zealander IPMS club members sent me all those plans for that British naval catapult. Oh yeah, that's right. A long that's time right. ago. How's that How's that nat- cat- catapult coming? It's still in the vaporware, man. He says from the rainy edge of uh, Europe, Tom's model works in California. Seems pretty exotic. To <laughs> <that>. <laughs> I can understand that. Yeah, absolutely. I, I, I think I saw them on the vendor list for Nationals. Oh, I,
1: yeah, they usually are there. Okay.
0: Yeah. Oh, they were, they were in Las Vegas, weren't they? Yes. That's a lot closer to California. Yeah. I was
1: going to say that was very close to them, but they're usually sure. there most years. Unlike you. I know, I'm not. Because we we were texting this afternoon, and Mike was noting the fact that this will be the first time that he's done back-to-back nationals ever, right? Uh, that would be true. Uh, telling you what, such a noob. Un-
0: uncharted territory. I know. Can't wait. <laughs> Dalton Lott from Georgia. I think Dalton's a young guy. Uh, he's asking. He's been inspired by the past news events like uh, Los Angeles riots in 92, uh, like the NYPD setting up headquarters in the Burger King at 9-11. Stuff mm-hmm. like that, and he's kind of asking about sensitive topics, and I guess kind of where do you go and where do you not go, and and kind of what's 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 the, where's the line? I guess you don't want to make the mistake that was that
1: Mig did.
0: No, the AK book,
1: AK, the AK book. You don't want to make the AK mistake. Who well, that's, they, that
0: wasn't that wasn't so much the subject matter; it was the marketing.
1: Well, that's right. They 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 were dealing with very sensitive subject matter, and they approached it in exactly the the wrong way. Over the years, I've I've been to some na- as a matter of fact, some nationals where there have been some rather sensitive subjects dealt with. A Holocaust diorama, where you know the the train siding at Auschwitz. There are particularly if you're doing a knocked out vehicle dead bodies uh, particularly burned dead bodies can be a real real sensitive area and i think that i would urge everybody to to try and if you're going to do something like that err on the side of caution as far as what you present and how you present it and approach it from the standpoint, you know, if somebody is super super sensitive to this particular subject, I want to make sure that I haven't done anything to go out of my way to rub rub them the wrong way or rub it in their face. And I you've I've seen over the years a diorama or two where the modeler was doing exactly that. And I just think it's a mistake.
0: Well, I don't know if we helped him or not. I guess err on the side of caution if you're concerned.
1: Err on the side of being sure you're respectful of what you're modeling. Keep in mind as you're modeling a sensitive subject like that, a mass grave, something like that. Make sure that you're erring on the on the the side of being respectful to your subject because you're dealing with a a particularly sensitive area and and some people's reactions uh you know may be different than what yours are because you're modeling the subject and so therefore you have a certain like a surgeon a certain detachment from it
0: well moving along now rock rosak's back again all right detail and scales cranked out something else (laughs)
1: <laughs> what do they what
0: what have they done this this time uh ah, detail and scale volume 14
1: the f14 tomcat I saw that I saw an advertisement for that and you know the f14 top gun top gun maverick the f14 is one of those aircraft that that plenty of people just have super love for and there were a whole lot of changes. During the life of the aircraft, so something that de- detail and scale is really good about documenting the changes, service life upgrade programs uh, that, that happen during an aircraft's life. So they can help you figure out if you're modeling a particular aircraft, which lumps and bumps and such that you need on a particular, uh, a particular subject. So I mean, and I love their electronic versions, where you can blow the photos up as as big as you need. For a person who likes old fashioned books and that old book smell and leafing through a book, electronic books do certainly have some real distinct advantages. Well, maybe we need like an old book incense. There you go. You know that my my wife hates that smell. To me, I think that is one of the best smells in the world. And if somebody made an old bookstore candle, I would actually buy it and burn it. Of course, I'd have to do it in my model room because the wife wouldn't let me do it anywhere else.
0: Let's see if Gwyneth Paltrow can come up with that. Oh, no, 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 no. No,
1: no, let us not go there.
0: Well, Rock Hale's from uh, Blacksburg, Virginia, so he's a hokey, I guess. Virginia Tech country.
1: Have, having having uh, grown up myself for some period of time in Richmond, uh, uh, whenever I cross back into Richmond, it's amazing. The accent comes back immediately. It, it's <laughs> you know, I have I have pretty much a, a Kentucky accent as far as that goes, but the moment I cross the border into Virginia, it it just I drop right back into it because I because I grew up there.
0: Well, he helps see us in Omaha, and we to see you too, Rock, and uh, he appreciates us mentioning the books on the podcast. That's no problem either because uh, they're good books.
1: They are absolutely good books.
0: John Fincher, currently right. in uh, West Frankfort, Illinois. Now, he's uh, the former IFMS Seattle guy that we were wondering yeah.
1: about an episode or two ago. I ran into Mr. Fincher at Wonderfest.
0: Yeah, you mentioned that. First off, he wanted to Offer up something to the uh, listener who was thinking about starting the model club at his school. And that was the guy up in Saskatchewan. Right. And uh, he said he should check out uh, what make and take offerings are available from different manufacturers as well as the IPMS USA. And you, in fact, you, in fact, mentioned that as well. So you should reach out to the society. Yeah. At least in Canada, maybe even the United States. They may do something, too. I don't know.
1: IPMS UK and I or I mean, IPMS Canada and IPMS USA are very much sister organizations. And there's a lot of cooperation between the two.
0: Ah, for Magnum Opus kits, uh, he's found himself in the possession of a poacher Rolls Royce Phantom two. Ooh. Yeah. What's that? Like
1: eighth scale, maybe one. Yeah. I think that's eight scale or 12th. It's big. Some, I know that something, something like that, yeah. but those things are beautiful. I mean, do you, um, I think it was Hasegawa did a couple of biplanes. They called them museum quality kits, yeah. Where you know they were, they weren't just plastic. There was wood and screws and and um, uh, hinges and all sorts of stuff. Those poacher kits are the same. They are magnum opus kits. They're something that you could take and and really go to town on.
0: Well, and he also mentions uh the level up builds. He's got a couple. His first one was to be a racing motorcycle.
1: That he did uh,
0: after he joined IPMS Seattle. All right. Yeah, but he says you know he entered contest with it and won precisely nothing. And <laughs> he asked the judge about it, and the judge pointed out some mistakes that uh, he knew were there, and he decided he had two choices: to take his toy and go home, or to get better. That's that's interesting because that's a, that's a level up build, but that's kind of a it's a crossroads kind of level up build. That's not a yes. That's not necessarily, I guess he did learn something, but uh, about himself. Yep. Not so much about the model, right?
1: Well, and, and he knew the, the flaws that were pointed out. He said the ones were, were, he already knew were there. And honest to gosh, nobody, else, nobody has ever built the perfect model. Liter- literally, nobody's ever built a flawless model. Now, I've seen a few that, you know, to me, come as close as close gets but we're all human so and every modeler knows where the flaws in their model are um you build a model and you're really happy with it and you take it to contests first of all whether or not it wins anything isn't important it's more about particularly in a one two three ipms style system it's more about what model showed up that day as much as it is about the quality of your particular model. It's nice that he took the criticism and used it as a learning experience, because there are people, I mean, you know, it, we're all human, and and it's real easy for you to take that criticism as a criticism of you rather than a criticism of the model you built. If you find yourself doing that, you don't want to do it. That'll ruin your modeling experience. That'll ru- ruin the hobby for you if you start caring too much about whether it wins at a contest or what other people think of it. Because ultimately, this is a hobby about you being happy with what you've done.
0: Well, and his other one, he built a 1971 uh, Barracuda, I guess, car.
1: Oh, good car. And... He says
0: he painted it 3 times before he got it right and then polished and clear coated and polished and clear coated and decaled and clear coated <laughs> <laughs> for weeks until the decals were buried in the clear coat and the model just glowed and he said now that one is one he puts on a shelf with pride because uh, <laughs> he he absolutely got that one right and that all that carried over onto subsequent projects so
1: that that's a level up build that's where you learn something and not only that that's something where you you sweated over it, and you went back and did it again, and did it again, until it was it was well not perfect, but it was, you know, really you knew you were you were hitting a next level. So that's the kind of experience that, yeah, no, no matter whether you win an award with that model or not, as he says, that's one you're proud to have on your shelf.
0: Well, Chris Wesley sent us a picture of uh, the. Three Floyd's speed castle box. So
1: Chris, yes. we're well we're well aware of that one. <laughs> we're trying to get the folks at Three Floyds to talk to us, man. We are their biggest supporters. Possibly, at least in this hobby. I'm wondering, my prediction is the next box like that will be a monogram box.
0: Or it'll be the inside joke's up now, so they're not going to do it anymore.
1: No, they've won't. they've done two. <laughs> I, I bet you they're going to do a Hasagawa. Uh, my other prediction is a Hasagawa box, but I think their next one's going to be a monogram box because that red, white, and blue monogram logo from the '80s—that is very, very easy for them to incorporate into one of their into into one of their uh, beer boxes.
0: Mike Shelley. He's writing in for our, our call to tell us your biggest modeling disappointment story, preferably right. from, from
1: childhood. <laughs> yes. Preferably from childhood.
0: Well, this one resonates with me because it's kind of the same era and the same size kit from the same manufacturer, just a different bomber. Uh, he says in the seventies when he was 13 or 14, he was given monograms B 17 G.
1: Oh, the 48 scale kit.
0: Yeah. With the Shep paint insert. Mm-hmm. See my first kit was a, the, the B-24. Yep. With the ship paint insert. The, the one where they the, the diorama is them painting it up as an assembly ship.
1: Yes. With all the polka yep. dots on it. The, the polka dot one.
0: Anyway, he didn't have the guts, he says, to drill all the holes to sort of flak damage or bend up the props. But uh, he tried to do a good job painting it and took his time and did a half-decent rattle can silver job on it. But a couple of days later after that, uh, the fuselage split wide open. <laughs>
1: the joys of tube glue yes
0: and uh, he says no amount of orange tube tester cement was going to close that back up again and he doesn't remember if it ever got to decal stage oh (laughs) man Uh, then he went to 72nd scale and has never attempted another kit that large
1: congratulations see that disaster led you to the right path and I am (laughs) so glad to hear that you found the
0: right path and he did follow up with a second email. And uh, Mike Shelley's from Beaumont, Texas. Yeah, we got ours together. It was already <laughs> silver, so we didn't paint it any further. Sort of, right? Yeah. And I, you know, I
1: played with it, flew it around the room. That must—that thing must have been nearly as big as you were. It probably was, because that's a big, darn, big darn kit in forty-eight scale. Yeah, they both are really. Yes, they are. <laughs> Although I'm here to tell you, and this may be a controversial opinion, B24, greater sign, B17. Yeah, maybe. I may start f- some fights with that opinion. Start we'll see. F- flame war about bombers. There you go. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, let's break from. I'll tell you what, if you got any from Facebook Messenger, we'll go ahead and t-
1: t- take care of
0: that, at least one of them.
1: Yeah, actually, uh, I've got a couple from Facebook Messenger. Um, you all are, are utilizing our Facebook page and Facebook Messenger, and I tell you, I really appreciate it. Ken Beckler reached out to me and did – now, I happen to be aware of what he told me, but it, it's a great point. He was—he sent a message to recommend there's a YouTuber by the name of Phil, who is a naval historiographer and who does these really great videos on World War One and World War II naval battles, mostly World War I and World War II, naval battles, different uh, ships, different classes of ships, um, the evolution of the torpedo, evolution of the steam turbine, et cetera, et cetera. Just, it's a YouTube channel that I watch nearly every video that, this guy does, even though I'm not a ship model or anything, just because he's good at what he does and it's he, he makes it interesting. And Ken contacted me to recommend Drakina Fells. Uh, he did a nearly two-hour documentary on the A6M Zero. And it's incredibly detailed goes into the metallurgy of the zero, which is one of the things that made the zero what it was because it used a, a particular form of formulation of aluminum, um, that was, that was light, but strong and granted the zero much of its maneuverability. But I had seen this particular video, uh, but he reached out because he didn't know obviously and recommended to it, uh, recommended me to it. And I, it makes a point that I want to get across there. as we were talking about earlier, there's you know, there's more content out there than you can possibly consume. And there's more content out there that Mike and I than Mike and I can ever be aware of. So if you come across something that you think is of particular interest, it is definitely a favor to us for you to reach out and, and point out something like this documentary that Dracina Fell did or uh, the listener who talked about that figure painter YouTube channel that you mentioned earlier, because we can't be aware of everything. I mean, as much as, as Mike and I devote our entire life to modeling, to the exclusion of work, family, and everything else – we still can't be aware of it all. So, anytime that you think that there's something of interest, please go ahead and and do what what Ken did and and shoot us a quick message or a quick email. Another uh, listener who reached out was uh, Steve Schaefer, and Steve is coming to his first nationals, and I envy Steve because I've been to. 26 nationals. I think now your first national is just an experience that no matter how many you've been to, you will never forget because it is just such a next level experience to anything you've experienced before. So he was coming to the nationals and he was asking how many models can I bring? And I told him, you know, obviously you can bring as many as you want. And he said, you know, if I bring 30 models, am I going to look like some sort of geek? And I said, well, not any more than any of the other geeks there. I did say that if you're trying to cut it down for transport purposes and for, for time of entry purposes, entering multiple models in the same category in an IPMS system, uh, can some, sometimes be a little self defeating because you're, you're kind of competing with yourself. So if you're looking to trim down the number of entries that you bring, try and maybe decide, okay, I'm going to bring the best one in each particular category and I'm not going to bring two that I'm going to enter in the same category. But like I told him, there is absolutely nothing wrong if you've Got 30 models because you've been producing and this is your first time in the nationals, go ahead and bring them. Because as much as it is a contest, what it also is is a chance for other people to experience your work and you for for you to experience theirs. So even if it has nothing to do with whether you win an award or not, you've allowed other people to see what you've done and somebody is going to see your work and appreciate it and maybe even learn something and you never know maybe even seek you out to ask you questions about it. We all have something that we can teach each other. Go ahead and bring as as many models as you feel comfortable bringing. There's no limit and again you're around a whole bunch of other nerds and geeks. Nobody's going to be judging you for that. Chris Wesley Reached out to thank us because he finally picked up a bottle of Mister Color Leveling thinner, four hundred, or as it's commonly referred to on the podcast, Unicorn Tears. And uh, his his comment was, "Okay, you guys win. This really is the best stuff ever." <laughs> and you know, I agreed with him. It's hard to to argue that stuff. I mean, it it reminds you of the old SNL ad for Shimmer, that it's both a floor polish and a dessert topping. I'm pretty sure that Mr. Mr. Color Leveling Thinner, if you pour it in your gas tank, probably will increase your gas mileage and works as a a floor polish and a dessert topping. I mean, the stuff is fantastic, and I highly recommend it. If you've not used it, uh, I highly recommend it. It is a great thinner particularly for use with Tamiya paints and uh, uh, AK Real Color paints. It, it's, it's the bomb. This is the point in the episode where, if you haven't done it already, or heck, even if you have, we ask you to rate the podcast on whatever podcast app you listen on, uh, Stitcher, Podcast Addict, Apple Podcasts, whatever. Please rate the the podcast. Please give it five stars. That is important to help drive the visibility of the podcast. More importantly, if you've got a modeling friend who's not listening to this podcast, we would appreciate it if you would recommend the podcast to them. Tell them why you like it. Get them to get them to listen. And, you know, if they're less tech savvy, you may have to take their phone from them and show them how to download a podcast app and show them how to download our podcast. Please subscribe. The word of mouth is the number one way we get new listeners and we continue to grow much to Mike and I's amazement. We appreciate it. And, and please do that. Please also
0: check out our fellow podcasters out there in the model sphere. You can do that by going to modelpodcasts.com, modelpodcastplural.com. It's a consortium website set up with the help of Stuart Clark from Scale Model Podcast to provide a single repository with links to all the other podcasts who've chosen to participate in this family with us. And i tell you what, a big bunch of those guys are going to be out at Omaha at the Nationals, and we got a couple of events out there you can swing by and have a chat.
1: So. Yeah, that is something I did want to mention, or we should mention. I've said before that the seminars at IPMS National are really great and you should check them out. And one of the seminars this year is a podcast roundtable uh, with a bunch of the different podcasts. Uh, basically, uh, Jim Bates MCs the event and people just show up and ask questions. And it's a great time where you can see Many of the podcasters, if you listen to more than one podcast, and in fact, uh, the guys from Australia, OTB, are going to be there this year, so it's going to be a really good chance to come. It's a great seminar, so if if you've got the opportunity, you're at the nationals, please come by and check out the 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 podcast roundtable. In addition
0: to all the podcasts out there in the model sphere, Dave, we got a lot of blog and YouTube friends kicking out some content as well. Now we yep. got Stephen Lee with his blog Spru Pie with Frets.
1: I am in awe of his level of production. He is just—he <laughs> is cranking out. Not only does he crank out great, great blog entries, a lot of them are you know, hey, this is something interesting, or hey, this is a new thing that's announced. But then he'll also do a longer form entry, and his stuff is just really worth reading. It's. I, I I haven't read one that wasn't thought-provoking and caused me to go, hmm, let me think about that.
0: We've also got Chris Wallace, model airplane maker. He's got a blog and a YouTube channel worth checking out. And if you're in the 72nd scale, please check out Mr. Jeff Groves, the inch high guy and in the inch high blog. blog. Uh, in fact, Stephen gave him some props on one of his most recent yes. blog posts. And last but not least, Jim Bates of Scale Canadian TV please check him out on YouTube for uh, his take on what's going up on in his modeling life.
1: And uh, Jim always has something interesting going on. And Jim approaches modeling with a sense of humor that, and a, a, you know, sometimes you see some people who, who take this a little bit too super seriously and Jim approaches it with a really great attitude. So I highly recommend his stuff as, as, Is very entertaining. So check it all out when you get a chance. And finally, uh, this is the point in the podcast. If you're not a member of IPMS USA, IPMS Canada, uh, or your local IP or your national IPMS organization, IPMS Norway, IPMS Australia, wherever you happen to be, consider joining your national organization. It does a lot to promote the hobby. Uh, Now, we've got the nationals coming up here in the U.S., and that would not exist without the IPMS USA National Organization. And it is, without a doubt, again, I've said it, it's the best four days of my year every single year, year in and year out. Uh, I'm super appreciative to the guys who, who take the time and the effort to join the national organization, to contribute to the national organization with their time. We would all rather be modeling than doing the stuff we've got to do to keep the organization going. The least you can do is go ahead and join and not only join, but once you've joined, participate.
0: All right, Dave, let's break here and have a word from our sponsor. Plastic model mojo is now brought to you by Model Paint Solutions, your source for harder steam back airbrushes, David Union power tools, and laboratory grade mixing, measuring, and storage tools for use with all your model paints, be they acrylic, enamels, or lacquers. Check them out at www.modelpaintsolutions.com. All right, Dave, we're back, and it is Wagons Ho for Omaha, the last Wagons Ho for Omaha. (laughs) We are eight days away, Dave. At the time of this recording, until the 2022 IPMS National Convention Omaha Nebraska and uh
1: I think it's all falling into place finally it absolutely is i know uh, you and i have been exchanging uh, uh communications about what we're bringing when we're leaving how we're going to do this how we're going to do that when we're going to arrive what we're going to do when we get there so you know it's it's becoming a reality man
0: it is well, I tell you what, I'm looking forward to it as usual. Uh It's going to be a good time. I just I think uh, now that, I think the big thing is for, for me at least from the podcast perspective is that there's a lot going on at Vegas because there hadn't been a we skipped a year. Right, because of COVID.
1: Because of COVID. And
0: everybody had skipped a year pretty much in their regions for any kind of show for the, for most of those years that you year mm-hmm. change. Right. Yep. And we'd, we'd never met any, the, among the podcasters. We'd never met any, each other face to face with rare exception. Right. right. Yep. And, uh but once the ice was broken, it all kind of worked out and we had a big time. And I think uh, there's a lot more to look forward to this year because we know, we know how good it's going to be.
1: <laughs> well, and I, I will tell you that not only again, I look forward to a nationals anyway. I've 26 times. Uh, I absolutely love it every single time. But I will tell you, Vegas was really special from the standpoint that a number of the other podcasters were there. We all got to get together, not only for the round table, we had a breakfast together. And you know, while you might listen to these guys, in, in podcasting and all, it was really great to sit there and meet them and talk to them and exchange info and ideas. And they were really, you know, I hate to say this, but they're all a really good bunch of guys. I mean, it was even even John Bonani, who I, honest to God, the first words I spoke to him were because he had decided to run and got himself elected as second vice president of the U.S of IPMS USA, I walked up to him and the first words I ever spoke to him were, what in the heck were you thinking? Because um, that's, that's the, the position in IPMS USA that's responsible for the national convention from the national point of view. And it is a really, really hard job. And I got to give John big props for taking it on because uh, it's easy to go and enjoy a national, but to actually plan for upcoming nationals and doing that hard work, that's going above and beyond. So I, I can't wait.
0: Well, I'm sure folks would rather hear from the horse's mouth and hear us go on and on about how great it's going to be. Uh, we had a little segment this week with uh, Scott Hackney, the uh, show chairman for the national convention and out of the uh, Omaha group. So let's get into what he had to say. Well, Dave, we're getting really, really close, and to get the final dish on the sl- show preparation and uh, what folks can expect, we've got Scott Hackney here from uh, the Omaha Group. Uh, show chairman Scott,
1: how you doing?
2: I am well. A little, little busy, but, uh,
1: but good. Yeah, no but, stress right now, right? No, no, no stress. Yeah. No no stress. Things, from, you- from,
0: the planning, from the planning standpoint, I guess... They would say it's all over, but the shouting, I hope, hope for you yeah. guys. But, uh, well, how's it going? What can we expect, Scott? We're looking forward to, even though we got to drive a long way, we're really looking forward to showing up and meeting everybody again and uh, just having a grand old time. Well, uh, how's it looking?
2: Well, when you get here, it'll be hot.
1: It's
0: hot here. <laughs> yeah.
1: yeah, it's hot here. That's no
2: big deal. <laughs> it'll, it's going to be in the mid 90s, but it doesn't look like there's going to be any, uh, substantial rain or anything in the forecast right now. So maybe none none of those thunderstorms like we had in 2011 when the power went out, but
1: uh, I remember that I was there, uh,
2: but uh, you know, I mean, most everything's inside, particularly if you're in either one of the hotels, you almost never have to leave. So uh, I think that's a, uh, that's a good thing. Uh, And uh, like I say, close to 700 pre-registers, uh, so that's a that's a high for us. So we're we're really looking forward to a to a, a great show. Um, the decals are are here and all packaged. They're they're just beautiful. Um, good.
1: I can't wait to see
2: those. So yeah, the the uh, the Korean uh, idea was a was a good one, and, and they came out uh, wonderful. I mean, we want to thank uh, Sprue Brothers for sponsoring them, and and Scott Brown of Bullseye. Uh, for uh, drawing them, and Scott and I uh, did a lot of uh, research together to to uh, get those uh together, and they're they're just uh great looking. And of course, two scales on those—they're uh, both the quarter and seventy-second scale. Uh, and then you also have the um, Independence Class uh, ship numbers uh, yeah. on the decal sheet as well. So uh, if you want to uh do the uh, uh 1350 scale uh, independence class then we've got all of the the whole numbers there for you
1: Now the show opens Wednesday at what time officially
2: uh, officially pre-registration starts at 10 uh walk You in mean regi- you mean registration Well the pre-registration oh, hey, guys pick up the pre-registration can, can gotcha. pick up their their packages at 10 the walk-in folks can start registering at noon and the convention officially opens vendor's room contest room at one. Gotcha. Uh, But obviously there'll be people lined up waiting for their packets and uh, getting ready to go.
1: Well, this isn't your first rodeo. You all have done this in, let's see, 90 something, 94, 94.
2: Then then
1: 2011 and 2017. So you've, This is you all y'all are old hands at this.
2: Yes, yes. <laughs> older, older every day. I hear you. <laughs> so the the hotels are all still all booked up, right? They are. They are. the The hotels are, are all still still booked. Uh, both the uh, uh, both the Marriott and the, and the Embassy, the two attached hotels. Um, I hear the same thing about the uh, the Hampton. Uh, and uh, the Comfort Suites uh, across the street, and and uh, uh, I've been told that uh, a lot of the uh, the hotels in the area were have high occupancies this weekend uh, of the convention. So we're expecting, like you say, still a a big crowd beyond the that uh, almost seven hundred pre registers, uh, and then there's the the walk in crowd as well. Sure, sure. Uh, Um, the the daily the daily folks the folks who just come by for the day
1: now how many vendor tables do you have in total 250 250 and is that the same as it was in 2017
2: no we had more tables in in uh uh in in 17 we actually had a little closer to 300 but we uh you're missing um uh squadron right uh, although the the squadron guys will be here with a, in a smaller, uh, uh, stance and, uh, you're missing, uh, Zucamira, um, who, uh, who couldn't make the show. Um, and a few other, the, the big, uh, uh, ticket, uh, dealers that were around in 17 just aren't here anymore. Sure. Um, sure. But, uh, so, but the, there's a, a lot of folks, uh, so uh, Kinetic will be here in, in, uh, in, in force. Uh, Ravel will be here. MRC will be here. Uh, MRC uh, has given us one of the uh, one, 200 scale Yamatos to auction. Oh, nice. Um, so there will be a special, uh, special auction for that Yamato. Uh,
1: so yeah. you're going to, you're going to have, let's see, uh, unlo- as, as you and I were talking off air uh, uh Vegas last year was a kind of wasn't completely post covid because a lot of the travel restrictions were still in place, so a lot of foreign uh uh model entrants and foreign vendors weren't able to make it now this year in twenty twenty two with the situation having changed, you've got Edward coming in with you've got a number of those foreign yeah. vendors are back, right?
2: Yes. Edward Edward will be here. Special hobbies will be here. Uh, Flexifile will be here from from Canada. Uh, That's for the great first, news. Yeah, for the, the first time in, in a while, and they're they're excited to, to come down. Um, and then we've got uh, 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 David uh, Charles and uh, Phoenix Publications. Yeah, uh, with their new magazine and books and. Uh, if you haven't seen those, they're, they are fabulous. Yeah, I'm, I'm uh, really liking what they're doing, and and uh, he'll be he'll be here uh, showcasing and and selling both their their magazines and their books. Um, so that's uh, I noticed their magazines were at Spur Brothers the other day, as well as uh, uh, their books. And he's got all, well, all of his latest books are in my garage, <laughs> uh, but and they will soon be at. Uh, at the convention for you to, uh, attendees to buy.
1: Now, um, you've got display space for models there, or I mean entry space for models, but there are no display tables this year. No, you, you all, you all haven't had display tables in the past because of the, the fact that you're dealing with only about 50,000 square feet of total space.
2: Yeah, fifty thousand square feet is is really what we're working with, which is kind of the bare minimum for a a, a footprint for a nationals, and and we divide that up. Uh, we you know it's almost half goes to to vendors, half goes to the contest. Uh, we've got uh, uh, the uh, pre function area where the raffle and and registration is, and then we've got three, uh, well four good size. Uh, conference rooms for, uh,
1: seminars. And that seminar list looks really good this year. I'm, um, uh, I know there's a podcast round table seminar that we'll be do- participating in, but, uh, uh, I, er, I always tell people when went on here, don't sleep on the seminars. The seminars are some of the best stuff at a national convention. And I think a lot of people, you know, they get hypnotized by all the models and hypnotized by the vendors. And, you know, first thing I do when I get to a convention is I look at the seminar schedule and start highlighting the seminars I want to attend. Yeah. And then I build everything else around that.
2: There are some good ones. There's some history. Uh, there's some, some, uh, some uh, tips. Uh, there's some folks teaching you how to do uh, airbrushing and how to clean your airbrush. And how to do some weathering and build armor and and then we're we're also gonna have our uh, model industry uh QA panel. That'll and, be nice. Uh, right now we've got uh Vladimir uh Sulit from Edward and uh, of course Gordon Gordon Kwan from Sprue Brothers, Rudy Klein, uh who's the co-co-owner co-owner of Lionheart Hobby, uh, and uh then uh, david francis as we were talking about our our phoenix scale publication guy uh jeff hearn from scale colors and uh trevor harm who's uh, one of the the uh, sales representatives for heartland hobby who is uh, once again the, they're one of the big uh middlemen they're one of the big
1: warehouse distributors
2: folks. yeah distributors yeah uh well, that, so
1: that- That seminar is a particularly good one. I've I've always had an interest. I don't think a lot of modelers understand how the business side of the hobby works. And I think talking to those guys and asking them questions is really, really enlightening for the average modeler to be able to understand why they're not getting their kid of the fairy fruit bat or whatever, (laughs) or how you know how molding goes from 3D renders to cutting molds to or how the distribution chain works uh I, I think that that's one of the the more fascinating seminars that there is it is and and of course if you want to know uh, they'll be happy to tell you today um
2: how much prices are 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 going uh, you know what the uh what the inflation's doing to them what the uh the increased fuel costs are yeah. doing to them as the, uh, they're it's costing 30 and 40% more just to bring the kits into country.
1: Yeah. I, I think it's going to be eye opening to a lot of modelers. What all of this is, how, how all of these things ripple through the entire hobby. And,
2: and we haven't, we haven't seen the, the a lot of the price increases yet, but they are just around the corner. I've been, talking to some of these folks and, and some of them have been absorbing it, uh, yeah. so far, but, but they're, they're just now, ha- uh, you know, it, it's starting to hit to the point where they've got to make some decisions. And so, uh, asking these folks in this seminar to, to explain what's really happening out there. Uh, you know, I noticed the P38Js are out today, but, uh, when last I talked to, Tamia uh they were you know they were still on the boat, yeah they were still sitting out there in the harbor in l a waiting waiting to come in um the uh Tamiya has sent us a dozen uh p thirty eight js that were uh chrome plated for the tokyo show mm-hmm. and uh we'll be we'll be those will be in our raffle.
1: That's awesome. Now, Mike, Mike, I've been dominating the conversation. Please ask a question. Well, you know, we've got the uh, the tours slated as well. Uh, If if there's
0: anything there, you need to tell us, Scott. Anything new? Other than I think they're probably sold out.
2: They're they're probably sold out. Yeah, they really are. the The SAC Museum is is uh, is sold out. Uh, Our our contract with them is two hundred and fifty, and we have two hundred and and, and 50 people going over there uh, to the museum. Uh, of course, you can come see the museum, you know, anytime when you're you're in Omaha, but we own it Thursday night. And uh, so it's a great trip. Uh, and we're going to have some open airplanes this year, four or five different uh,
1: open that aircraft. Is, that is great news. I was hoping for that. Indeed. And I know the guys from Australia are really looking forward to that particular. Yeah. Uh, so the,
2: you know, the Air Force Museum changed their mind on open aircraft. And uh, so since the Air Force owns all these aircraft, it, it kind of, uh, you know, it, it made its way down. And so they they can open airplanes uh, a little easier than they could in the past uh, because the Air Force allows it now. Uh, right. So uh, we should get a look at the uh, the F-117, the MiG-23, uh, get to climb around the KC-97, uh, and just a uh, you know a few of those, and and even the uh, I don't know whether you'll get into the Vulcan or not, but the Vulcan is in restoration right now, so you'll you'll be able to get up. up oh, there,
1: that'll be that'll be neat to see
2: uh, up and and see that because they're sanding away on the Vulcan right now.
1: That's cool. That is cool because let's face it, a Vulcan is not something that here in the U.S. you just run across every day. No, no, there's
2: there's only three of them I think uh, in the U.S. So, and the the car museum down at uh, down in Lincoln is is really, uh, you know, USA uh, today called it the best car museum in the country. Yeah, Uh, and so it's it's well worth the trip. And there are actually still a few tickets up open for for that. Uh and that one's Friday morning. Uh and uh of course uh Lincoln's about an hour away and we're going down there by bus uh in the morning for a private tour before they open.
1: Oh, that's cool. Um so is there is there compared to 2011 and 2017? I know you said that you adjusted some tables in the vendor room. You had to to cut back some of those. But if if an attendee had been to twenty eleven and twenty seventeen, is are they going to notice a particular difference no. in twenty twenty two?
2: No, they they. I mean the 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 hotel is is essentially the same. The uh, the Marriott has 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 gone through renovation when it was closed for COVID. And and it's almost as uh, it's probably nicer than the embassy right now, so it's a uh, uh, really nice. The uh, other than that, everything is set up just just about the same. Um, like I said, we uh, uh, there's a lot of of folks that uh, you know small businesses and things that during COVID just sort of slipped away, uh, and so. But as of you know, we were still getting calls last uh, you know a couple of days ago for people that wanted to uh vend uh but we just decided to hold it at 250 in the two big rooms and not move off into any of our seminar rooms this year sure um because we just we don't have some of those bigger venues uh uh, that that took the 12 and 15 tables uh that you used to have and and some of those are are gone but um otherwise i think it's uh I think with uh, the wild apricot uh, that uh, the new management system that IPMS is using, it should flow really well. Um, pre-registration should move through quickly. Uh, everything is set and ready to go. Uh, the The badges are all printed and, and, uh, and wonderful. The walk-in should be faster uh, as well because it's all computerized and, and should, uh, should go. And we've got, uh, a couple of hundred, uh, blank packets ready for people to, to come up and, and, uh, register and, and, get on their way. So, uh, even, even as, as smooth as it was last time, we're hoping it'll be smoother this time. The, uh, the hotel is still running a, going to run a concession, uh, for lunch. Um, and it's going to be open a little, uh, earlier, a little later so that there'll be, uh, some snacks there during the morning and the afternoon. If you, uh, uh, need a little uh, little fruit or some chips for a, a late day pick me up.
0: Well, one thing I'm curious about, just in the general vicinity there for uh, other options for eating and stuff like that. What's what's around? I've never been there. It'll be my first time. Uh, okay. What can folks uh, expect there?
2: If uh, if you're if if you don't have a car, uh, you're 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 perhaps a, a little limited. Uh, we just there's a actually a new Hooters that just opened uh, right next to, right next door to the hotel, and uh, then the uh, uh, Alamo uh, movie theater. If you've ever been to an Alamo,
1: yeah, Alamo uh, Draft House.
2: Yep, the Alamo Draft House, and then next to that is a steak uh, steak place. Uh, we're uh, uh, a uh, across the street from. Um, not uh, Bass Pro Shop, but the other one, uh, Cabela's. Cabela's, Cabela's, and Cabela's has their their restaurant. Uh, if you go across the street, and it's a four lane highway, when we say across the street, and when it's ninety five degrees out, it's a bit of a walk. Uh, then there's a, there's a, a a variety of fast food over there, um, as well as the Country Kitchen, which has a good uh, uh, breakfast. Yeah. Um, All right. Uh, but of course, then if you uh, if you want to get in your in your car, uh, there is some great steak in town.
1: I was going to say that the one thing I was going to remark on is that in both twenty eleven and twenty seventeen, because I both times I had a car, uh, I had some very fine steak meals. People, <laughs> listen, the reputation for Omaha and its steaks is not an oversell. You, no. I am a steak fan. I am a huge, huge fan of a well-done steak or a well-done, uh, you know, a really good steakhouse. and, and the sky's nearly the limit in Omaha. Yeah,
2: we have, we have some good ones. And uh, so there, there are some great ones and we've, uh, my wife has put together a, a big restaurant list for everybody.
1: Ooh, That's great. Better. I always I always love that. I am glad yeah. you all thought of doing that cuz so not every place does. Well,
2: we we um uh, we we had a little a little bit of a help. The uh the World Herald put one together for the the uh college world series.
1: Oh, I, I completely forgot about that.
2: So we we had a we had a head start. Yeah. Uh, but it still uh we uh we went from there and, and uh, added a few and and uh, put put a few more things together. But that was uh, that was that just happened here, of course, a month ago. So
0: it's all fresh.
1: Yep. Yep. Scott, is there is there one message that we're giving you a platform? There's something you want to tell everybody that's going to attend the show. One thing you want them to know. Well, have at it.
2: We want them to uh, right. Omaha is is uh, is is open, and we want everyone to come in and, and enjoy the convention. Okay, this is a this is our convention. This is the convention for IPMS and for modelers and and uh, come in, come enjoy it. Come enjoy uh, the world's biggest hobby shop for four days. Come enjoy almost three thousand beautiful models. And, you know, there's nothing more inspirational than the contest room.
1: Yep. Completely
2: agree. You know, if you've been following the the Facebook, uh, the chain about display tables and not display tables, I told the folks, you know, I've never won at nationals, you know, I've won at regionals and I won at locals, but I've never won at nationals because, you know, my model is just that, you know, has just those, those little flaws sometimes that the, that the judging system finds every time, but I put them on the table, you know, and, and they, they look fine. On, they, they look good on the table and I'm, and I'm happy to do that. I say, you know, put your model on the table where people are looking for it. And that's the contest room. Yeah. Okay. Well, you know, I... it's, it's free. Once you, once you, uh, uh, once you put your registration fee in, you know, you have unlimited entries, right? Um, so, you know, I'm going to put an F-14 in an M1 tank and a, uh, Matilda tune tank or my three, my three entries. I mean, very kind of diverse. Uh, and, uh, you know, when I was talking to the media reps, uh, to get us some publicity, I said, you know, none of these are probably quite good enough to win with the the caliber model that, that, uh, that we're going to see at the convention. But I'm going to show them and, and show them proudly because they're my work and I, and I enjoy them.
1: Well, I do have to say that Omaha has a soft place in my heart because it's the, the, the first place I ever won a national award at the, <laughs> at the NAT. So, so you all have a special place in my heart.
2: Well, that's good. And, I, and I, uh, I'm, I'm happy for you. And we've got some beautiful awards. Oh, us. yes, absolutely. We, uh, we pride ourselves on our awards and, and our raffles. And, uh, and so, like, so we've, uh, we've got a lot of, a uh, lot of raffle prizes and more to come. And, uh, so we had a huge raffle, uh, in 17 and we're going to have a huge raffle, uh, this time. And, uh, the, uh, uh the awards are acrylic, uh, and they've got the, uh, they've got uncle Sam on there just like you see on our website. Yeah. Um, and the four stars that you, uh, that uh, we have on our shirts, right, for 94, 11, 17, and 22 Yeah, for, uh, for our four conventions.
1: Well, I'm telling you what, I'm looking forward to seeing you, Scott. I can't wait to, to see you in person. I can't wait to get to the, the facility again. Again, 2011, 2017 are both very fond memories for me. And uh, I have zero doubt you all are going to pull it off like you have before. Well, we we appreciate
2: it, and we uh, we want everyone to come. I know that uh, I know that gas is high, uh, but this is the nationals, right? This is your time to go uh, talk with people that that share your hobby, yeah, and and get in, get inspired and uh, buy a few bobs uh, to uh, to make your next model just that much better.
1: Uh, yep. So- the people, the people are the best part of any national. So come, come and meet your fellow modelers.
2: That's that's absolutely the case, and and the great thing about it all being right there in that fifty thousand square feet is, is that everyone you meet is a modeler.
1: Yep.
0: Well, Scott, thanks for taking a little time with us, and in a few short days we'll be uh, shaking your hand in Omaha.
2: All right, come on up. I'll be at the front desk.
0: All right, looking we'll, we'll forward go. to seeing you. We'll, we'll right. see you there. Thanks again. Thank yeah. you. Well, that's good to get one more blur about a Scott before he's got to buckle down and uh, put the pedal to the metal and
1: oh yeah, get, the, His, get this
0: get this show on the road.
1: Yeah, you th- you think that the the Nationals is going to be a blur for us? I'm telling you, it's it's going to be a whirlwind for him. <music>
0: Have you ever struggled with how to display a contest-winning model or a project you've completed after many weeks, months, or even years of work? Or how about to present a model you've built to a veteran or family member and have the desire to protect it so it can be enjoyed for many years down the road? Bases by Bill has the solution. Their museum-quality display cases are the perfect way to protect and enhance a special model. Built by modelers for modelers, Bases by Bill display cases are available for any type of model in any size. Check out their website at basesbybill.com to see their new range of Astro cases in 18 different sizes or to get a quote on your own custom built display case. Visit their website at basesbybill.com or see them in person at the IPMS National Convention in Omaha, Nebraska. That's Bases by Bill for all your model base and display case needs. Well, Dave, it's about time to hit the listener mailbag again. Oh, man. That must
1: be a deep bag. That must be like
0: Santa's Christmas
1: uh, mail.
0: Mr. Zach Peace from uh, Mansfield Center, Connecticut. You know, (laughs) he's got a couple here. Well, one's a mistake, he said. Uh, Again, modeling disasters. Okay. Uh, When Zach was a young lad, he built the old Revell USS Yorktown. Oh, I remember that kit first kid he built without his dad by his side. And he says he meticulously attached all the flight deck catwalks upside down on the top of the flight deck. Oh, and it resulted in a flight deck with bumpers for pilot training. <laughs>
1: yeah, you know how there's a, you go bowling and they have the inflatable bumpers that come up in the gutters. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Guess it's the same concept.
0: Oh, you know this. This other one here is not so much a mistake, but it, but uh, I guess it's a kid's choice, and I can really re- relate to this one. I'll get into that when I get done with his part. But uh, uh, he built monograms P thirty nine. Okay, I remember that kit. And the kit had a drop tank, yep. and 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 a bomb, yep. And he wanted to use them both. Only that's not it was what it was in reality. <laughs> So he glued the uh, drop tank in the position uh on the wing center under the under the cockpit I guess where it's yeah. supposed to go. That's
1: where it's supposed to go.
0: And then glued the bomb directly to the fuselage behind the wing and you know before ahead of the tail, after the yeah. wing, before the tail.
1: That's yeah. that's called a field service modification.
0: Well, I I, <laughs> I say I can relate to that because uh I, I built. I think I built it twice. Monogram's forty eighth scale Focke Wolf FW one ninety. Yep, yeah. and it came with a, like four different armament packages. Yep, yeah. and every time I built it, I put everything on it.
1: <laughs> you mean, were loaded for bear.
0: So yeah. So every time I see one of those like Warhammer airplanes, yeah, <laughs> I, I did that thirty forty years ago. <laughs> you were cool before cool was cool oh yeah so you know it had the it had the twin gun pods under the wings and bombs right. and some other bigger gun pods and
1: and i think it had the warfers, didn't it the 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 uh, tube borders maybe i can't remember but if it
0: did they were on there yeah <laughs> hey man look
1: cool though yeah absolutely
0: ken beckler writes in again from a uh, peoria illinois and the jack wiselich Polish Coast Watchers Club there in Peoria. Mm-hmm. And from episode 67, he was saying he's glad we both finished up some projects. And he says, you, Dave, hit the nail on the head when you said finishing a kit gives you motivation to start the next one. It does. And, Not- I, you know, to 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 be joking, it, it, <laughs> it gives you motivation beyond just the fact that you don't have anything to work on on that one anymore. Yeah.
1: <laughs> absolutely no it, it it that's absolutely true not only do you obviously now have a hole that you have to fill as far as as far as working on something new but when you complete a model particularly if you're pleased with it it gets the juices flowing it makes going digging into that next kit a little more exciting because and i know this will sound either corny or weird but you see the possibilities when you unbox the new kit, having just finished a kit. You see the possibilities when you're looking at the sprues.
0: That's right. I agree with that.
1: Yeah. Gets, gets you get you excited. Well, I know I mean, heck, I know you've been you've been virtually modeling that K V uh KV eighty five.
0: That's right. We can talk about that later. Yep. Yeah. Well, he also says he's going to have hopes to share a beer with us in a couple of weeks, and
1: no, in
0: in, uh, in Omaha. I tell you no. what, Ken, you buy? And the odds of that happening are going to greatly increase.
1: Yeah, that's right.
0: <laughs> Up next is Dal Busby from. Well, he's originally from Springfield, Missouri, but now lives in Nashville, Tennessee. He started first, modeling.
1: Go ahead. First of all, that is a great name. I just want to say, as far as the names go, that's a great name.
0: He started modeling when COVID first came on the scene and shut him out of work for about eight months. So he needed a new hobby. So he found the model kit out, Hobby Lobby. Yeah. And the rest is history.
1: And we get that a lot. It is amazing. Listen, COVID was an absolute black cloud. There is no doubt the damage was incalculable. But if you're looking for sil- looking for silver linings for this whole thing, the number of people who got back into the hobby because they were basically sitting at home and couldn't go out and wanted to do something, I mean, that is that is a situation that is tailor-made for the hobby that we engage in. So, you know, that's the small silver lining that you can find to that big black cloud.
0: Well, he says one topic we want to get our opinion on was the release of Border Models 32nd scale Lancaster. <laughs> uh, he's bought one. Oh, really? And uh, he asked if we plan on building the kit and our thoughts on uh, Border Models releasing this kit under uh, kind of spurious uh, means from Wing That Wings. Uh, I think I can speak for both of us. Uh, we're not planning on building that kit. It's too freaking big. Yeah.
1: <laughs> Although I, I will tell you, when Wingnuts announced it and when Wingnuts had it at the 2019 convention, you know, they were planning to sell just the cockpit section yeah. as a separate kit. I got to say, there's a part of me that could see building that if Border decides to do the same thing. Uh, that would make a really nice display piece. And it looked really good when Wingnuts had it at 2019's convention.
0: Well, I, I won't speak for you. I'll let you do it on the on the other part of that. I, personally, that's between Border Models and Peter Jackson. And uh, you know what was he thinking? I guess would be
1: you know they're doing business in China is a wild west. Having been there twice, it, the, the, it really is. Different in China, and my attitude, being a lawyer, is you know that's a legal matter between Peter Jackson slash Wingnut and and Border, and it doesn't involve me. If the kit's available and I can buy it, and it's not illegal to import into the country or anything like that. If if Mister Jackson has a beef with with border, uh, take it up in the appropriate courts. But it's not going to stop me yeah. <laughs> as long as it's legal to acquire in the U.S. There, therein lies the problem.
0: <laughs> it's not like Border Models is in uh,
1: Illinois, right? <laughs> exactly, Mister <laughs> Mr. Jackson may have chosen poorly as far as that goes, and as far as where his molds resided. But he was an adult. He knew what he was doing, presumably. And, you know, there's a risk-reward calculation that you make. Well, there's
0: there's the issue of what side of the ledger it was on, too, as far as what was paid for and what wasn't. Oh,
1: yeah. And and all of us have no idea about any of the issues or what the contracts looked like or or what even the, the choice of law in those contracts is. So, again, I'm agnostic as to that. As long as you can acquire them as long as they are legal to bring into the country, I don't think any modeler is wrong if he wants to build that kit acquiring it and then there was the issue of the letters sent to some of the
0: distributors in the western world i We've yet to see what if anything comes out of that. I don't know how much teeth those dogs really had well
1: and and having written a few of those letters in my career. Yeah, you know, you don't know from just reading that letter, that letter is a rather typical letter uh from a lawyer or from a law firm, you really don't know whether or not there's any bite behind it.
0: So, now there you go. I don't I don't think we've got any reservation about someone building that kit. It's just it's I know we talk about scale and genre all the time, but you know, that's kind of that's kind of pushing it right there. <laughs> right there.
1: That's it's- It's going to be huge, but the Lancaster has a lot of fans and having, again, having seen the test shot in Chattanooga in 2019, it is one of the most impressive models I've ever seen in kit form. Uh, What they had, assuming Border is actually able to reproduce what Wingnuts was displaying in 2019, it is one of the most impressive models model kits I've ever seen in my life uh, in kit form so if you're a Lancaster fan and you've got the garage to park it in you go know for it. <laughs> go for it I don't I don't see why anyone wouldn't other than the fact that it's got a huge price tag
0: David Farrell is next from Didget, Oxfordshire in the UK I don't know if that's right or not
1: well we'll trust that it is
0: we'll trust it is and get corrected if it's not Old yeah Ivan Ivan can help us with that one when we see right. him well, next week.
1: speaking of which we're gonna yeah really we're gonna see Ivan next week and we're gonna need to consult him on a lot of uh British place names well he
0: he sizes up his uh well he returned To the hobby in 2019 spent two years listening to podcasts watching YouTube etc not building a whole lot oh don't let that happen man and piling up a stash yeah well
1: that's okay that that's part of the hobby
0: well, now this year he's knocked out five. All right. Pretty, he's on a pretty good tear. That's uh, a tear. That's good. that's a good job. Uh, and he wants to say that, again, certainly completing a build has encouraged him to drive on to the next.
1: Nothing nothing succeeds like success, man.
0: And it says it even attracted positive comment from the model wife. Always good. So a win-win. yes. Because she likes seeing a completed model on the shelf instead of another box <laughs> in the
1: closet. Uh, I I feel you. That one's, that one's close to the heart. Because there's been any number of times that the model wife has said, how come you have so many uncompleted kits and so few finished ones?
0: Well, I'm sure you do a little dance and get out of that one pretty
1: quick. Yeah, I work on it.
0: Oh, this is from the Dixie Flyer, our friend Warren Dickinson in Elkton, Kentucky.
1: Yes. Yep. Warren and I communicate quite often.
0: Well, he's got a uh, modeling injury. Uh (laughs) Uh-oh. This is an interesting one. He was uh, modeling outside on his porch, and all of a sudden his head started to get warm, like on fire hot. Uh Uh-oh. And uh, he'd rotated his magnifying eyes up, to the top oh. of his head in the autumn sun, <laughs> and uh, must have been had him pointed to the sun. Ooh. So uh, he's like ants on the sidewalk, man. He's uh, <laughs> burning a okay. hole in his head.
1: <laughs> I've got to admit, that's a new one on me. Okay, uh, first of all, a Warren. In all the time we've communicated, why have you never told me that story before? Because that's awesome. Number two, all the time, I flip my optivizer up. You know, when you're needing to see far away, you flip the optivizer up. Of course, I'm in my model room, so there's no sun, but (laughs) that makes perfect sense and is absolutely hilarious. Oh, I love that story. Uh, that's going to go in my top 10 modeling injuries.
0: Well, his magnum opus, he says, is there's a he's got a photograph or a nose of a photograph so, showing a uh, Josta 40 in the summer of 1918 with a lineup of six Albatross-built Fokker D7s, an Albatross D5, and a false D3. Oh,
1: beautiful planes, all of them.
0: And uh, he's got a big old stack of... Uh, Edward and Roden Kitts, he wants to recreate that photograph out of.
1: That lineup is some of the most attractive aircraft from World War One. So I can understand exactly why he wants to, to, um, to build that particular photo. And I would urge him to do so. Hey, neither of us is getting any younger. Go ahead and start. Don't wait until you get better. Use that as, as your motivation to get better.
0: Well, and along those lines, he talks about getting better and he's got two, two builds, two current builds. It's a pair of a uh, 10 zeros. Yep. If I read it right, one of them got stalled nearly to mid two thousands, but, uh, he's back on those and reacquainting himself with using photo etch and using his double action airbrush and oil paints and weathering pencils. So.
1: The, the 10 and Kokutai is one of my favorite subjects. Uh, I've, I I built one, my first one, uh, from the old Hasegawa kit. In fact, the old Hasegawa raised panel line kit where I sanded off all the panel lines and re-engraved everything. Uh, so I, I fully support building more aircraft of that particular unit. So I can't wait to see those done.
0: Eric Kenser from Menlo Park, California.
1: I know where that is.
0: Another failed childhood build. <laughs> oh,
1: I love these stories.
0: Uh, his is an airfix Churchill. Okay. You know, I built a lot of those blister pack airfix armor kits.
1: Oh, yeah. 76, 72nd <laughs> 70 scale.
0: Well, those things are like the holes built up out of like six sides, right? Yes. Yeah. It says total build failure. Yep. Side to deck angles not being 90 degrees sides caved in total failure.
1: And, and on a Churchill, those are particularly important to get at 90 degree angles because of the enclosed tracks and everything.
0: And he's like to think he's better now. He's actually got some Valum kits to come out.
1: Okay. Dude, if you can build a Valum kit, you are doing well.
0: Well, he says he scarcely remembers the outcome of a lot of the other kits he built air fix and, a lot of the other 70 small scale stuff from the five and dime store. Uh, but he sure remembers that Churchill.
1: <laughs> you know, I do think that in general your failures as a young kid are the ones that stick with you, the ones that you remember the most. I don't know if that's trauma or PTSD or what, but I can remember the kits that I built that didn't turn out much better than the kits that I did that actually turned out okay? Well, Eric, I would say go grab another one of those.
0: Oh, were you trying to get a nostalgia build going? Yeah, go have another go at it. I mean, mine worked out well. Yeah, it did. It worked out real well. Of course, the first time I built that Bofors and Morris tractor as a kid, I didn't quite, it wasn't an expectation build. No. But, you know, it's pretty rudimentary. And uh, I always liked that kit. So I built it again and, and you know, to my current ability and uh, worked out well, you might surprise yourself. See what you get out of that old kit. Yep. Absolutely. Like worth a shot. Give it a try. Give it a try. Well, and for this last segment, not the last segment for this second segment, listener mail, we're going to wrap it up with uh, uh, Scott. Now Scott is modeler X on YouTube and he's in Denver, Colorado.
1: Yeah. I love, I'm sorry, Modeler X, I, I grew up watching Speed Racer, yeah, Racer when I was X. young. And so Racer X, because remember, Racer X really was Speed's older brother. So anytime I, every time I hear Modeler X, I think of the old Mach Speed Racer and Mach 5 and Chim Chim and all of that stuff. Trixie. <laughs> Trixie. <laughs> well,
0: he looks like he's cruising uh, to Omaha. All right. Look forward. Stop by the stop by the table, man. He might be convoying with the triple P. Sounds like.
1: Uh oh. So to be riding with the Plastic Posse podcast gang. Well, Bates is going to be with him, so you have my deep, deep sympathy.
0: <laughs> well, Scott, we look forward to catching up with you, man. You had some nice things to say about the podcast out there, if I do remember correctly. And. uh Yep, I'm going to have the Zist two there, so you can you can check it out on the table. All right. See, so, yeah, I really wait. did finish it. <laughs> so he claims that'd be something we like. This whole thing's a ruse. We don't actually build models,
1: <laughs> or we don't even show up in Omaha. We hire a couple of actors. <laughs> Too many people know what we look like now. <laughs> well, it's the sound of our voice. That one still gets me. It was <laughs> 2020 in or 2021 in indie getting yeah. recognized for the first time by the sound of my voice?
0: Well, Dave. It's the Benchtop Halftime Report now, brought to us by Tackett Z. Tackett Z, the must-have tools for the model maker. You can check out all Ed's latest and greatest offerings at TackettZ.com. So, Ed, I don't know if he's coming to Nationals or not. I don't know if he is either. That's or, a great who, or, or many other folks from our club. I don't know. I do not know. Well, check it out. TackettZ.com. Well, Dave, we finished some stuff. We've had yes. a couple of weeks. Yep. What's on your bench? Uh,
1: well, right now, the thing I'm really working on is the Airfix Kate that I ended up starting just because you, me, and the Canadians were all on a, uh, a group build Zoom chat of a couple of weeks ago. And I've been wanting to build this kit. One of my areas of interest are World War II Japanese kits. I've got a Pearl Harbor Zero, and I've wanted a Pearl Harbor Kate. And I've got a bunch of decal sheets, as everybody knows. I've got a bunch of decal sheets. And so I've got numerous uh, markings choices for the Kate for Pearl Harbor. Uh, That's what I'm building. And when I was younger, I really enjoyed painting, finishing, and decaling. And the older I've gotten, I've got to say, I'm really now starting to enjoy construction more, whereas when I was younger, construction was just a way to get to the point where I started painting and decaling, et cetera. And, and I've got to say, there's there's a certain pleasure that I'm getting out of at this stage in life or this stage in my modeling life in building, and these Airfix kits are really fantastic. They fit together really well, um, and and I'm enjoying it. Uh, the other thing on my bench is the B-52 that I've been building to put in my brother's markings. Uh, it is basically ready for decals now. Uh, now my problem is I've got eight days to get it done before the nationals. And depending on what my, my work life and my family life demand of me, uh, I may or may not make it. We'll see. But, uh, the bench is moving. Things are happening. I'm looking forward to the Nationals and maybe picking up a few new things. So, um, Maybe. Maybe. Okay. <laughs> you got me. Yes. I know I'll be picking up a few new things. The question is how much and whether or not they'll accept a kidney in exchange. The juices are flowing. The mojo is, is happening. And there's nothing better when you're, than when you're in that zone. And I know from previous experience, I will come back from the nationals pumped beyond belief. It happens every time I come back from the nationals and I hit the bench hard because I've seen some great modeling and the first 60 seconds, I take a look at all of the great modeling and go, okay, I need to quit because I'm not going to ever get to anywhere near what these people can do. But then that, thought disappears and I get fired up to build so I can't wait so what's your what's your bench look like well it was clean for a little while yeah allegedly this this too has been finished but I I'm I'm not sure about that I, I'm, I guess I'm gonna have to see at Omaha I've got the e16 out of the display case I have seen that and I've been uh it's it's really close to paint. Have you come to accept the fact that you will never find the level of information you need on the catapult, so that you're going to just have to bite the bullet and you know gizmology the best? Oh yeah, yeah. Approximation that you can. I'm well down that road, but okay. That, that's okay because it's still a
0: it's still a good getting better plan. Sure, because I haven't built an airplane in ages. Yeah. Now I can say that again, because it's been a year almost since I've touched <laughs> this thing. I want to rig the catapult as best I can. And I had that all figured out and then I didn't write anything down. <laughs> so I had to go re- relearn all that. And, and finally I, I made some notes in the notebook about how to do that. And then it's it a matter of what I was going to use. I was hoping to use some kind of elastic thread, but I can't find anything that's big enough in diameter. That's actually round. So, I found on eBay a couple of days ago from one of the model railroad suppliers. It's a it's a nine strand cable that is six thousandths of an inch in diameter. That's that's fair size in seventy second scale. Yeah, so I think I've I think I've found it. That ought to show up in a few days, and uh, we'll know. Now that's got its own issue with the elastic. I can you know you can stretch it and tack it at the end, and it'll hold its right. tautness. Right this this might be challenging.
1: What is this made of?
0: It's probably copper or, or something
1: oh, it's actually braided, yeah, it's metal cable, yeah.
0: yes, okay, so it may or may not work it's gonna it'll look good, but <laughs> it's gonna take some glue to get it to hold to the pulleys tightly and look right
1: well, but the nice thing about copper is opposed to a lot of other metals, copper really is is pliable, is soft, and tends to hold whatever shape you bend it to. So, yeah, it may. It may not. I don't know.
0: It may not be copper. Well, we'll see. I'll let you know.
1: Okay. Well, <laughs> we've got about 20 hours to talk about that on the way to to Omaha and then the way back. So um, I'm hoping that
0: uh, I can add the last little bits to the, to the actual plane, and I can – well, I've started – prepping the parts for the catapult for paint. So they're getting stuck to popsicle sticks and I'm trying to think through my sequence of how I'm going to do that. And sure. St- Cause it's kind of, it's in three pieces. It's, it's the, the launch mechanism. I left one of the sides off the catapult.
1: Right. Cause you need to rig it.
0: Cause I got to rig it and put the, put the, the launch engine in it or whatever you want to call it. Yeah. Uh, and then put the final side on it when it's done. So I think I got a good plan. We'll see. We'll see if
1: it, uh, if it's executable or not <laughs> well you you know what they say PPPPP prior planning prevents piss poor performance. So uh, you know uh, sitting and taking some time to think that's you know when Skippy comes over to build, one of the things that I always find amazing with him is how much time he sits there and stares at the instructions and stares at the parts and test fits, and fiddles, and then thinks some more, and tests fits. And one of the results of that, other than the fact that he builds a model once every year, or maybe even once every two, is the fact that he's thought about it so much that when it actually comes to putting parts together, he he never or almost never makes a mistake. And things fit to the point where he never needs filler. Even with a Valome kit, because he has done so much thinking and planning. Speaking of thinking and planning, have you been thinking and planning about a model lately? Yeah,
0: i have really working through that KV-85 project. I'm not going to say a lot about that other, because it's all virtual modeling, really. I've got to get it planned to get all the weld seams off the rear deck of the thing that aren't supposed to be there. So I think... uh, the easiest path forward with that is to, I, I'm hoping to pick up a, a separate second upper hull piece. I, that would really make things simple. But we'll see if I can find one without having to buy a whole new kit because I don't want to. That kit's expensive.
1: <laughs> well, you may find one at a blowout. At uh, I, I
0: might, or even a cause started, it's not the it's one. not
1: the most it's not the most popular model in the world. Let's face it. No, that's for sure. Have you ever seen the KV-85 built up at a contest, even a straight-out-of-the-box one? I don't think I have, no. Neither have I, which I think is interesting, given the fact that there are at least two kits of the the thing. Well, more on that after the Nationals, probably. Well, just think, again, you've got 20 hours of car ride to be thinking about, okay, how am I going to do this? So you bring a notebook. You make notes, and by the time we get back to, Lu- to Louisville, you'll have it all planned out. Well, Dave, let's finish up this Lister Mail. You got it. Kicking off this
0: final segment of our Lister Mail is uh, Robbie Knaufs, and he's got a few things to say about group builds. He's always been someone who's excited about joining a group build, only to quickly run out of steam if he's not,
1: you know, has a vest- it's, it's, You know, doesn't have a vested interest. That's exactly my experience. I'm always excited every time I get into one, and halfway through it, I'm like, why in God's name did I do this?
0: One thing to make that a little easier on him, because he's still doing the group builds, is uh, his friend uh, at Smithy's Model Hanger and himself helped organize a rotating group build. Well, a rotating group build group. It's the AMG on Facebook, and he's provided a link to that. And they they do two months on, two months off. And then the group nominates and votes on what the next theme is going to be. And uh, that's kind of a yet another take on a group build. Yeah. Though I'd still think the risk is there to have something get elected. That's not to your fancy.
1: Well, not only that, but also for me, one of the big uh, um, challenges I find is a lot of group builds. They won't, they want to build it faster than I generally am able yeah. to produce a model. And that just I don't I don't model well under pressure. So, you know, it if I'm in a group build that's it's like this moot the Moosaroo that's coming. I mean, at least the fact that I should have almost a year or at least nine months or so to get this thing done, whatever it might turn out to be.
0: Well, and he also comments on uh, the feelings he gets after he finishes a build. He's got uh, a couple of things that happen for him. Uh, First off, he's glad that something's done and off the bench. Absolutely. Again, that is one of the best feelings there is. And uh, sometimes he has a slight feeling of loss that the build is over, especially if it was uh, an enjoyable one.
1: I was going to say that actually is true. I know that particularly when you really nail it, I mean, when you feel like you did everything you wanted to, you accomplished what you were um, uh, trying to accomplish, and not only that, but you learned a thing or two, there can be that sense of, of loss that, okay, it, or at least I'm, I'm not so sure it might not be a fear that you're not going to do as well, with the next one or that you're not going to learn as much with the next one. But yeah, I can, I can definitely relate to that experience.
0: And if it's not one or both of those, he always has anxiety of picking the next build and can spend a few evenings just picking something because uh, he doesn't want to risk it Yep, being boring or not being fully engaged. So I, I don't have that problem. I usually got six or seven lined up. That I want in in my head, I I would like to
1: build. Back to our lists, right? But right, but but you even even you with that situation where you have five or six builds that you that you're thinking about doing, you're always juggling those in your mind. I mean, KV eighty five, Katusha, Reba, Botan, whatever. You're you're constantly moving back, moving them back and forth the priority list, right? As far as it's fair, what what's next? So I can I can I can relate to that. That you know, before you actually cut plastic, you're like, okay, do I really want to do this one next, or is there something else I'd rather do more?
0: And finally, yes, how much Jim Bates is paying us to say nice things about him? Man, man, it's, it's a lot. I mean, I'm,
1: I'm worried. It's, it's getting hard to launder the money buying model kits. Hmm. Well, you know, those rich, those rich Washington lawyers, they have so much money. It just, you know, it's, it's like an NFL player in a strip club, making it rain. And (laughs) you know, in fact, that's one of the reasons we're looking forward to seeing the gym in Omaha is we imagine at some point he's going to be in the mojo mojo dojo just making it rain and, and we're just going to be scooping up the bills and then going down to the vendor room. That's the way it works, man. If, if only that were true. George Welch from uh loud
0: New Hampshire found my comments about my own model. Interesting. I guess when I was sizing up the ZIS build, that's probably what he's yep. talking about. You know, and he's right. Sometimes we're our own worst critic.
1: Yes, we are almost always are.
0: And he asked, you know, he's wondering if if uh, my bit about the disf- dissatisfaction with the base of uh, my scene is just just simple math. And simple math, how he's wondering how many bases and scenes have I done? Fair comment. the The, the point is, is I probably built more models than bases.
1: I, w- I would agree, and as much as you're critical of the Z base. And I don't disagree with you about any of your criticisms of it. Having seen your, your previous bases, I absolutely think yours, this base is the best base you've done so far. Well, I agree with that too. Well,
0: it's, it's kind of apples and oranges though, because all the other were just something to stick the model
1: on. Right. I, Where I this one was a yeah. little more detail. That's true.
0: Well, he quotes a phrase from the best, exotic Marigold Hotel. The more we do, the luckier, luckier we get.
1: <laughs> Absolutely true. You know, that's what, think about what Napoleon said. When asked about what he wanted in a general, the number one thing he wanted was lucky. I had a manager once that said luck is the byproduct of skill. Yes, and that's that is true too. Things that look like luck are actually skill and experience and effort which may also have been what Napoleon was getting at. You're probably right on that one. I just, I'll keep going. George and I have DM'd back and forth a few times and, uh, uh, I've really enjoyed our, our interaction. So hopefully going to keep building and I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing some completed models. Scott McPhee
0: again from Northern Saskatchewan. Uh, that's who the other, Listener Mail was referencing about starting the uh, club at his school. Mm-hmm. Uh, he says, "If we find ourselves in northern Saskatchewan, we're probably lost."
1: <laughs> I was going to say that exact same thing. Ah, he's curious.
0: Do we listen to any genres of music or programming when building?
1: Oh, oh yeah. this this is this is Mike's wheelhouse. Go uh, ahead, Mike.
0: Well, you know I listen to the other modeling podcasts for one. We'll get that out of the way real quick. I try to sure. stay caught up as best I can, but uh, uh I listen to a lot of eighties new wave. I listen to a lot of uh well, late seventies, early eighties new wave and uh, I listen to a lot of uh instrumental jazz too like piano and uh jazz like that. Coffee table jazz is on Spotify. that's one I listen to a lot. The headbangers I don't get. I don't see how I couldn't do it. That that that's just too loud and too driving. I'm not a, that's not a statement on the music. That's just a statement on my inability to focus uh when listening to something like that. Now what I was going to add to that was uh I'm still a runner for fitness, but I used to be a very avid runner and one thing I could never do was run with headphones and listen to music while I ran.
1: Really? I absolutely that, that was that was the That was the – I've completed one mini marathon in my life. I was a runner for a very brief period, and the only way I could run was listening to music. Can't do it. So that's what I listen to. Sometimes some big band from the 40s, too. I I was going to say, I listen to podcasts, number one. Number two, I I listen to uh, YouTube. Uh, there are, again, I referenced Dracina fell earlier in this episode. I love to put his episodes on while I'm working on a model. Um, cause you can listen to them as well as look at them. Uh, you don't have to be looking at them. Um, as far as modeling goes, there's only two genres of music. I really well know three. Three genre, genres of music that I can listen to and model successfully. Uh, first and foremost is big band. Um, it I find it soothing, and therefore I can listen to it. Um, number two is rhythm and blues. I, I I like listening to it, and it's not too frenetic. Even the the more upbeat R and tunes, and then the number three is classical. I don't listen to classical as much, but you know, they're in the hall of the mountain King or, or 1812 overture, or, you know, I can listen to classical music and still model successfully. I can't listen to hard rock. It's just, it, it's just too distracting to me. I wonder what he listens to. Yeah. Tell us what you listen to. well, Moving on, Dave,
0: it was funny you mentioned those Hasegawa museum series yeah, aircraft kits because uh, George Riddell, from uh, another one from uh, Polish Coast Watchers there in Peoria is written in. He, he's building the Sopwith Camel. Ooh. So skin off with all the wood exposed. And those things done done are gorgeous kits. Well, he he liked my ammo boxes because he's thinking the wood under the skin new
1: might look newish like that. It might. Oh, yeah. I don't. I don't know what it would look like. I I would think that it obviously being covered with doped linen, it wouldn't really weather. So, if you're doing a a skin off model, I think doing fresh wood certainly makes sense. But they might have shellacked it that's true they might have i
0: don't know assuming they did not uh and i've asked answered him by email already but for, for the listeners at large the new wood in my is this two base supporting stuff the ammo boxes primarily i i started out with to me a buff i think it's xf-57 maybe i can't remember uh anyway it's a really light desaturated tan color mm-hmm. and, and then on my wet palette, I shifted several different Vallejo paints. You know, I, I, I picked something that was close to the buff. Shifted some to the brown, some to the gray, some to the yellow to get the various woodish, new wood tones, you know. And then a real thin wash of brown when I was all done. So that's how I did the ammo boxes, well, more or less.
1: And, and you know what? I'm, I had not thought about it until you started doing those. Uh, but I am convinced that doing new wood, fresh wood, is actually harder than doing weathered wood. It may be. I think it's harder to pull off and get the look of fresh lumber than it is to take a piece of wood that's been out and exposed because there's so much, there's so much more variation in weathered wood that you can get away with doing so much more. Whereas fresh lumber has a particular look to it. So I'm, I'm not convinced that what you did was actually not harder than doing a, say a weathered fence line or something like that.
0: Eddie Turner, somewhere in the South of England. Uh, He liked our joke about the Atlantic seabed mud.
1: (laughs) Our friend, Evan McCallum did a really great play on that when he he heard that. Uh, Panzermeister 36, which uh, i I got to admit, I laughed out loud when I saw what he did.
0: Uh, He's got what he's calling the lightsaber technique for uh, removing fragile parts from the sprue. Which is? This is uh, take the scalpel or knife blade and heat it up with a flame and then
1: cut the part off the sprue. That actually is a great idea because of the fact that you're melting through the plastic rather than forcing your way through the plastic with pressure. Now, obviously, you have to cut far enough up that you make sure you don't just dis- the heat doesn't distort the part. But that is actually a really, really good idea, which, frankly, I'd never really thought of. Of course, I've got those god hands uh nippers. And so I don't have any problem with removing extremely fragile parts. But That's a great alternative.
0: Yeah, I think that's right. You just need to cut it off a little further, but once you get, once you just have like a a small section of sprue left on it with the sprue connection.
1: Yep. That's easy.
0: Well, what happens when you cut those long skinny parts at one location, it puts tension in the part because it's still attached somewhere else. Right. Right. Well, if you did it this way and cut it all out, then those points aren't causing you issue anymore when you go to cut them off. So no, that's a good idea.
1: That is a great idea. There's no tension at that point. Michael
0: Karnaka from New York City.
1: Uh-oh. He's got another question. I knew he would. <laughs> I mean, he, we're coming to rely on him, man. This guy's going to make the payroll at some point if we ever get a payroll. Yeah, he's going to be disappointed.
0: <laughs> uh, he was wondering if we recall any great modeling controversies of the past. He seems to recall that IPMS had a serious debate some time ago regarding car crash
1: dioramas. I don't remember the car crash ones. I do remember, I do remember the one where the Phoenix Follies figures generated what was called Rule Four about having to put certain adult-themed figures behind a uh, a a partitioned area because of the fact that obscenity is a local standard for for uh, the law. IPMS USA had to take that consider into consideration, and some people just didn't understand why. So I remember that that particular controversy. Uh, I don't remember the car crash one, but it may well have been.
0: Gosh, I don't know. That's that's maybe one I don't have a good answer for. I, you know, that we've already talked about two two recent ones. One was the the border models release of the thirty second scale. Yeah. Lancaster had some controversy around it. Yep. And also the, uh, the marketing of around AK's book. Yep. I remember. And that one, that one went off the rails,
1: man. Oh, went off the rails right away. And, and I, I think as much as anything, uh, it, it's amazing how much culturally things present differently to different cultures and uh, different countries, something that's utterly acceptable and seen as non-controversial in one country would be horribly controversial in another. and I think that what what they did just didn't translate from the culture they were working in to uh, at least in our case English. But I'm sure there are others out there if you if you all listening remember, Other modeling controversies, Um, well, I can tell you a modeling controversy, but God, I'm so old that nobody else remembers this. I remember when it was controversial to weather an aircraft model back (laughs) in the 80s. Honest to gosh, it was was wildly controversial in the early to mid-1980s for a modeler to weather an aircraft model. And and some people were wholly convinced that if an aircraft modeler was weathering a an aircraft model, it was because he was trying to hide something. And uh, that that obviously has changed in the last forty five years or so. But at the time, it was a big controversy.
0: All right, we're getting close to the end here of the listener mail. God, we got so much this time. It's amazing, Paul Wheeler. Now, he's uh, attending his second Nats, thanks to your persuasion. Good. Uh, he was admiring John Miller's uh, Arma P-51.
1: Oh, absolutely
0: amazing work. John is a, John is a wizard. Uh, then he remembered he had a P-51 mustache, cracked that out, and then he was admiring uh, Martin Kovacs JS-2. Oh, and then he realized he had a forty-eight skill to me a JS two in his stash and a box of Russians to go with it. So uh, that's gonna be his first attempt at building a vignette with the JS two and the, the infantry. Just just stretch his figure painting chops and uh, you know he's he's
1: using all this to get better. Well, and and Martin has a real interesting technique for painting figures that, frankly, I would like to try. And so I highly urge. Or urge you to take inspiration from what he's doing and see if you can translate some of that into your own modeling. Now, Mike and I have been uh, watching these videos as as uh, Martin drops them every week, and this particular subject is of great interest to Mike. So I've been texting him every Friday when they drop and teasing him about the, his level of interest in these things, and they have been fantastic so far.
0: And he says he's also been following Spencer Pollard's lead and finding some uh, satisfaction to get on some of these older kits and uh, embracing the raised panel lines.
1: Um, I admire Spencer for doing that. Ain't no way I'm going to do it. I am. I am still firmly in the camp of life's too short to build older kits.
0: You know, I'm kind of the opposite on this one because, you know, I keep thinking about these nostalgia builds. And when I saw that voodoo he's working on and what he did with the raised panel lines to, for those who haven't been following, basically what he did, he painted the model, you know, got it all seamed out, painted it. And then he went back with a, a very fine grit sanding sponge, I guess, something like that. I don't know exactly what he did, but uh, he went back and he knocked the paint off all the raised detail. I mean, he probably took it down just about flush with the paint. Yeah. So what you ended up with is you don't have a raised panel line anymore, but you've got bare plastic sh- showing where there used to be paint and the illusion is pretty good. in My opinion. Oh yeah. I, I'm, I'm wondering, I, I built that monogram 48 scale zero probably six times over the, my childhood. And those things are either in dark green or black plastic. And I was wondering, is is there an ACE, a6 M five, which is I think what that kit is. Yeah. Is there is
1: there a gray one? I no, by that time in the war they were all generally green over gray. Yeah. bye man, you could that'd be sharp. I'd have to look. I Lord knows I got enough decal sheets of A six Ms that I who knows, I'm probably come up with an uh I know I can think of an A6M five with outer wing panels that were light gray, but as far as overall, I don't know. I'll have to look.
0: Well, it, it was a tempting rabbit hole for a nostalgia build. I'm not saying I'm going to do it, but uh, certainly we were talking about that earlier today, in fact. Yeah. Bill Webb, who you met at Wonderfest from London, Ontario. Yep. Yeah. Now send you a thank you, other than your disparaging r- remarks about the CF-100. <laughs>
1: Well, I had to gig him about the CF one hundred. I mean, they do you you do that to a Canadian just to see how thick their skin is. Well, I think they call it the clunk too. The clunk, yeah. Uh Bill likes to push himself
0: by taking himself out of his comfort zone, which is always a good saying. idea. Always a
1: good always.
0: idea. Always. So if it turns into a disaster, you still learn something
1: and you can just start another piece of plastic, <laughs> he says. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> I mean, that is 100% true. Taking yourself out of your comfort zone and doing something that you might not normally otherwise do, as long as you're interested and motivated in it, even if it turns into a complete disaster, you throw it in the trash and you still learn something. It might be you learned by negative information, but you still learn something. And finally, we're at the end.
0: Mr. Bob Bear from Charlotte, North Carolina, who's going to be at the Nationals. All
1: right, stop by the table.
0: He's got a build for the Plastic Posse podcast, M3M4 build. He built a Sexton and Ammo trailer.
1: Oh good. I there I can't wait to see how many of those things show up at the at Omaha. And you know, it's
0: his hang-ups always been the fear of messing up.
1: Yep. And I listen, I can sympathize with that. Completely and utterly. That'll stop a lot
0: of us, but uh, this is, a, this one, he's, he's put a lot of new stuff in first time he's been using oils. First time, including a figure, but he says it's a cat though. He's going to count that. I'm, I'm, I would count it too. first vignette and yeah. the second, and it's only the second tank he's ever built. So good on you. He stretched it out and is going to have something for their, their group build. That's, that's good.
1: Listen, I, I am all you, you, you did something out of your comfort zone. You did new stuff. And even if it hadn't been 100% successful, you did new things and you learned something. And that is a whole lot better than taking the same kit, building it the same safe way and doing nothing new on it. Yep. If those are your two choices, choose, choose, out of your comfort zone every single time. Well, Bob, good on you. And
0: then uh, I'm going to tell you to come by the table and remind me that I have something I want to talk to you about. Good. Well, Dave, that's it for the listener mail,
1: unless you've got some more from Facebook. Nope, that's it. And uh, I assume at this point you have consumed your uh, modeling fluid. I have. My modeling fluid is all gone. And what did you think? You know, I haven't had
0: that style of beer in a long time, and uh, I enjoyed the first five last night,
1: <laughs> and uh, this one's now gone. So I have to admit that I'm not sure that I could put five of even those away <laughs> in one in one sitting. Well, it was one an hour for five. Okay. Hours, so. Okay. Yeah. I, I I gotcha. Well, I've got to say this Voodoo Ranger Juice Force IPA, uh, really good. Very drinkable. In fact, um, if you put a gun to my head, I'm not sure whether I would pursue uh, would prefer the Imperial IPA or the Juice Force IPA. Um, but both very, very good beers and uh, uh, certainly great for a modeling session or recording session. Mike, we're at the end here. Uh, you have any shout outs? I do. I want to shout all the PayPal and uh,
0: Patreon contributors to our show. I mean, we we really appreciate it. Had a few more of those come in a couple of recurring ones uh, on PayPal recently. And, and uh, some of those folks have absolved me from mentioning their name continually. (laughs) So I'll, I'll take that as a quit announcing our names, but we, we, we still thank you. We still thank you very much. If you'd like to contribute to the, to our effort here, you can do so one of two ways. If you want to make a one-time contribution, or manage your own recurring contribution, you can do that by going to www.plasticmodelmojo.com. And in the upper right-hand corner of the home page is a heart icon. They'll take you to a PayPal link to let you do that. If you want to let somebody else manage your recurring contribution, you contribute as much or as little as a dollar up on Patreon, www.patreon.com plasticmodelmojo. We appreciate everything you guys have done for us in the past. Uh, we look forward to seeing everybody in Omaha and uh, just thank you. Thank you so much for everything you've all done for us.
1: Well, I've got two shout outs. My number one is to Scott Hackney and all of the guys at Omaha, cause you're going to work your butts off coming up. And let me tell you, those of us who are coming in and getting all the enjoyment of it, appreciate the fact that for four days out of your life, you're going to, um, spend a lot of time and a lot of effort when you could be doing other things, putting on a show that we're going to enjoy. So I do want you to know that your efforts are appreciated and uh, hopefully you realize that and hopefully you still get plenty of time to enjoy the show even while you work the show. Everybody who's listening to this podcast while you're driving, or flying to Omaha. This is a shout-out to you. Thank you for listening. When you get to Omaha, come into the vendor room, find us, come by, stop, say hi, uh, uh, sign sign our guest book. Honest to gosh, we really enjoy the interactions with all of you, and we like nothing better than putting a face with a name it was the single most enjoyable part of the Las Vegas convention for me was getting to sit there and just shoot the breeze with listeners and folks who'd emailed us or DM'd us. Um, and then reminded us of what their DM or email was, because again, that's, that's what we're getting out of this more than anything else. So if you're listening while you're driving or flying to Omaha, please come by. Please stop by the table. Please make yourself known. And uh, I can't wait to see you all in person. All right, Dave. We're not only at the end of the mailbag, we're at the end of the episode. So you know what they say, Mike.
0: So many kits, Dave. So little time in Omaha. That's right. We'll be there soon.
1: Yes. To see everybody there. Absolutely.